Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Matthews and Pat Andire. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Spot Show Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Matthews. With me, as always, Mr. Pat Andire. How you doing, man? What's going on? Another great week of wrestling. We're going to do the Rampage and SmackDown reviews. So uh, tell me what you thought about SmackDown. I loved it. Um, even the stuff that I thought was going to be bad that I wasn't looking forward to came out pretty good. Obviously, you know, the people that are kind of the weaker portions of the show usually, they didn't give them any live segments. And I like that. They, they were able to clean it up a lot. And I, I'll get into it a lot. But um, from last week when I had to do the breakdown, and today, I have it in my notes that it kind of feels like Paul Hammond's running the show. So we'll get into it. Yeah, if they're smart. Well, to start off, Logan Paul comes out and he hits a promo with everybody saying that he wants to hold a press conference with the Roman Reigns. Or he just wants to have a conversation with him. Um, about the time that he starts getting into this, he starts getting hit with the what chance. And I start <laughs> no. thinking, is this guy going to be a heel or is he not realize he's not a face yet? Um that as well i think he realizes that he's not a face and he does heel tactics with a face attitude which we've seen recently with cm punk and uh if we know anything about the logan paul or the paul brothers in general these dudes knows what's going on on the internets so oh yeah <laughs> so they go into it with the what chance and he starts saying things like oh i'll tell you what and then they say what and he says i'll tell you what and they say what and i thought it would be cool as hell if this dude takes the what chant because nobody's ever been able to do it. And I thought maybe he was going to go, if you want to hear what I got to say, say what? Or something like that. Something along the lines of where every time he came to the ring, he could say, and you know what? And then the crowd would say what? And then it's going to take his the what chant. He would take it, right? Yeah. But, and it comes off very generic and very, I don't know how to get these people to stop. So let me just <laughs> tell them that I hear you. Didn't like that very much. But anyway, almost as soon as he gets into the promo spot, uh, Paul Heyman's voice comes over the, the loudspeaker. Ladies and gentlemen, and out come the bloodline. Well, Paul, said, Lo, uh, Paul Heyman says, let me have this, guys. I'll take care of it. You don't need to jump in the ring. I can take care of this rookie. So he gets in there, and he starts having this talk-down session of, why would you even think you're on Roman Reigns' level? You just got here. And if there's anybody in this business that should be a Paul Heyman guy, you would think it'd be a Paul. And he says, you know, you got into the ring with Money Mayweather, who comes up to my, and he pretty much said his dick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Logan says, well, well, you wouldn't fight him. And I don't think you would fight anybody. And I kind of felt like that was the real him coming out. That wasn't planned for him to say. And Paul Heyman kind of just looks at the ground like this dude right here. Doesn't know what he's getting into with the microphone right now. But anyway, he goes back into the segment. You don't think you're on his level, do you? And Paul, Logan Paul, says, what are you guys so afraid of? Why did y'all all come out here? There's only one person I don't see out here. And is it because you guys think that obviously I'm not on his level? Obviously, he's a better wrestler than me. Obviously, he has a legacy. But all I need is one lucky punch. That's all I need. If I can hit him with one lucky punch, I can drop him like a sack of potatoes. And I didn't like the way he said potatoes because he built it up like he had so much aggressive aggression in it. And it, it kind of came off as passive aggressive because he said like a sack 
of, and I was like, say shit, say shit, and he didn't. He said, potatoes. But they all kind of laugh it off, and Solo jumps on the ring apron like, I'm just going to kick this dude's ass. And then you hear Sammy say, whoa, 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 I got this, I got this. Y'all get out of the ring. I can handle this on my own. And he walks up to Logan, and he says, look, man, I don't think you understand how things run around here. And as soon as he says that, whop, he gets knocked the fuck out. <laughs> and Logan looks over the top of him, and he puts the microphone up and says, oh, I'm sorry, Sammy. Tell me how things run around here. Well, then the bloodline jumps in the ring to whoop his ass. He rolls out of the ring. And who meets him at the ring at entrance? Ricochet? I, didn't, I don't know. didn't understand this. And Mad Cat Moss has something that he wants to do with Solo. I was very confused by this. And I don't know what the fuck Ricochet was wearing. But he came out in like these tight spandex pants with his symbols on them that ended around his knees after his knee pads. Some high top socks that go all the way up to his knees that had his symbols on them. And some high top Nikes. Like, dude, don't ever wear that again. So, uh, apparently he's taking on Sami Zayn tonight, <laughs> which is just kind of, okay, thrown together, right? Yeah. So, after uh, I explain that to you, you looking forward to the uh, press conference next week with uh, Logan Paul and Roman Reigns? I mean, I think it is entirely too early to have Logan Paul even in the same realm. Okay, like, I mean, much less in the same company, but <laughs> on the same show is a little too far. I mean, this guy, I mean, they he really could have benefited from going to NXT. His ring work is admirable, and I'll give him that. I mean, of all the celebrities we've seen get into the ring and just make themselves look like a damn fool, I mean, he's done the complete opposite, and you can tell he genuinely likes wrestling. He genuinely has a passion for it, um, which, you know, similar similarly to... Uh, Pat McAfee, you know, it's like, it's awesome to see guys who I really want to do this. I'm not being forced to, but that being said, I mean, that he got exposed in that match with Miz at SummerSlam and he needs, he needs time, you know, because when you're wrestling someone like Roman Reigns, it's not spot after spot after spot after spot. You know, I mean, you really have to, I mean, Roman likes to, his matches are, you know, for a lack of a better term. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's like sex. I mean, he starts slow, baby. You know, it's very slow build up, and then boom, <laughs> climax, right? But and you you're not gonna be able to have that type of match, you know, with someone so green. You know, they just want to. It's like they have five spots in their head, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and it really takes time before you before, before it naturally comes to the performer to just like, hey, just go with the moment, you know, whatever, just call it, call it as it happens, right? Um, with that being said, I, I do, do think he would benefit from someone like Paul uh, Heyman as a manager. I mean, this guy is a natural heel. I mean, he just he looks like an asshole. He acts like an asshole online. Um, he's loved and hated for being that asshole, right? So them trying to, if they, if they think for a split second that the crowd is going to turn on Roman and cheer for, you know, Paul fucking Logan. Absolutely. I do not think they will. And I don't think yeah. they think they will. And if they're smart, it's like, hey, like, why don't, like, let's, let's just pump the brakes here. Let him start working with Paul Heyman. Let's see how that goes. Make him a heel. If anything, you know, put him out. He should have been wrestling Ricochet. He should be fighting someone like Madcap, you know, giving those guys something to do and learning on the job. 
And, you know, let, let's let's keep him out of the main event picture. I mean, for at least another year or two. I mean, Logan's still he's still young. You know what I'm saying? This this guy's got time, right? So he doesn't have to get I don't know what his contract stipulates, but he doesn't have to be in the main event tomorrow, you know. But well, the um of this is too perfect. They're going to cl- the um what's the thing that they do overseas? The blood money one that everybody hates. What's it called? Oh, the Saudi Arabia shows. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, the crown jewel. Yeah. This is what it's leading to. And it makes me think this dude's part time, obviously, you know. And he's good. I mean a part-time worker but on a hell of a show um but i think that they're just giving him a big payday and this was kind of a quick move from whatever they were planning on doing to oh these pay-per-views really don't mean shit so let's just give this dude a payday and he'll be able to go against roman and we'll we'll get the saudis talking about it because they don't get a lot of mainstream publicity over there with celebrities and right now there's no bigger celebrity than the pauls so yeah but um i will say this i don't know if it's leading to as much as a buildup for Logan to turn heel, and he might, but I mean, he, he's been so wishy-washy since he got here, and it's the one downfall that I feel like happened with this promo segment, is Sami Zayn and him have a long history. There's beef there. Uh, there was a stipulation where at WrestleMania, he was fighting, um, Sammy was fighting Kevin Owens, and it came off with Logan Paul being his best friend. He was trying to make him his best friend. He had him introduced as the guy that he was going to bring into his uh, as like a, a date pretty much to WrestleMania. And he helps Kevin Owens win. He being Logan Paul helps Kevin Owens win against Sami Zayn only for Kevin Owens to stun Logan Paul at the end of WrestleMania as well as Sami Zayn. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering with what's going on with the bloodline and Sami having their little spat last week and him not wanting to hit Kevin Owens in the head with a chair. Is this leading to Kevin Owens joining Sami Zayn to take down the bloodline? And is Logan Paul and Ricochet and Matt Cat Moss just factors that are thrown in there for whatever reason? Well, I guess we'll stay tuned. I mean, it's definitely something I'm interested in. I mean, I've loved Sami in this role, and I'm glad he's finally... He's getting he's getting something to do that's actually more than just chasing the United States title or IC title or whatever mid card title happens to be in the same um, show that he's on. So I mean I'm excited for it. Yeah, if there's anything that I didn't expect the Bloodline to do is throw Sami Zayn in there. Oh yeah, and definitely. I said last week when I was doing the show by myself, I don't think anybody in his position could do any better. It's just phenomenal work, comedic timing. I don't know. I'm loving what he's doing right now. And it's, other than Roman, my favorite part of what's going on in the bloodline. And don't get me wrong, everything in the bloodline's good. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. But um, so the match starts, and it's as good as you would expect. Ricochet versus, well, it's Ricochet versus Sami Zayn. And <laughs> funny enough, uh, Cole mentions PWG in this match. Oh. And he talks about how these two took on each other at PWG back in the day when Sami Zayn was called El Generico. Obviously, he doesn't say El Generico, but it's just funny that you could hear that get mentioned in the same realm as WWE nowadays. Oh, yeah. So, there's so many good things in this match, and the one thing that I like about it was, you always hear this critique about high flyers today, in today's realm of wrestling, that the high-flying moves mean nothing anymore, and they used to mean something. Like, when Rey Mysterio would take his dive to the outside, it meant something, like the match could have finished right then or it's getting close to it 
I mean, I know we've said on this show a thousand times. <laughs> yes. And in this match, nothing didn't mean anything. Um, obviously, they have their cool stuff that they always do. And one of the things that I love that Ricochet and Will Ospreay do is that backflip kick that makes them do like a moonsault in the middle of the ring. Huh. And Pele they do kick. another kick. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I think it's one of the most athletic moves I've ever seen in wrestling history. And it's a cool callback for those two to both do it still. Um, there was one time where Sami Zayn had a pinfall that he was about to get on Ricochet, and Logan Paul distracted the ref, which makes me think he knows what he's doing. That's a heel thing. Oh, yeah. So acting like a face with what he's trying to pretend like, but he's doing stuff like that, it's a heel thing. So I think he's, like I said, doing the whole I'm a face, I'm a heel. Um, also, there's a part where Jay, after that, goes to stop a pinfall. Uh, not a pinfall, I'm sorry. He goes to stop Logan Paul from breaking up a pinfall because he thinks, oh, he's going to do it again. So he goes a slide in the ring to attack him, but Logan doesn't get in the ring. And so Sammy just doesn't get the pinfall because the ref catches Jay, and he's like, what are you doing? So Sammy Zayn slides out the ring, and he's like, what are you thinking? And he pushes Jay. And this is where I was talking about the high-flying stuff meant something. Ricochet does a tope suicida, I guess is what they call it. It's <laughs> and, a suicide dive. On this show, that is a suicide yeah. dive. And he does a flip over the top rope and takes out the entire bloodline, right? Yeah. Well, instead of getting up and taunting and them going to commercial or him getting up and being like, let me just keep kicking everybody's ass, he immediately throws Sami Zayn in the ring, immediately hits a shooting star press, one, two, three. I, was, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, and this is Mad Cat Mask Moss comes in, and I'm like, why is he here? <laughs> which apparently leads to a match for Solo's title that he won on NXT, which I'm I'm cool with that. If everybody in the bloodline needs a title, and you don't want to give him the NXT's number one title, so you give him the number two title, and now every time the bloodline enters the ring, they all have championships. That's cool. What I'm not cool with is you bringing an NXT title onto WWE's SmackDown. And for no reason, having a match for the title against somebody that has no build-up for it. Unless I miss something, which, like I say, if I miss something, let me know. But I don't think I did. No, and, um, I mean, it's the NXT North American title. And, but, and that leads to something I actually saw online yesterday about how there's going to be another change coming to NXT now that... uh. Triple H has taken over, and I'm assuming it's that they're going to revert back to how they used to do it, where it was a third brand and not just a, you know, not just a baby brand for them. You know, like once, uh, once you know, they quote unquote lost the Wednesday Night War. You know, Vince McMahon wanted it regulated back to being a show for you know just for them to you know learn how to wrestle on, and it wasn't supposed to be. You know, they stopped talking about it on the on the big shows. And I think now that Triple H is back involved, you're going to see more NXT star. You know, just like it was three years ago, you're going to see NXT proper, I guess you'd call it, um, come more into play, which, you know, I'm all down for. I mean, you if you want to give legitimacy to a wrestler, give legitimacy to a wrestler. You know, don't... It was better back then, too, than it was oh. when I was a... Oh, yeah. And especially better than it is now. So the continue of the show comes on. They have uh, the dumb black and white replay of Cross choking out McIntyre. Uh, I think this kills any kind of momentum. I, men I mentioned this on the breakdown last week. 
Frost is a phenomenal wrestler gimmick. He needs some work in the ring, which who doesn't at the point that he's at. But his his potential is limitless. I mean, his ceiling is limitless. But they just keep holding back with the stupid stuff. Like, even Kevin Owens mentioned in an interview recently that, well, not only do I got to worry about this Karrion Cross fellow with his new haircut, I also got to worry about a black and white Karrion Cross. Like, he's making a joke out of it. Like, he even notices you don't have to make the screen go black and white when Karrion Cross enters. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's dumb to me. It dumbs it down. It doesn't make him look like a killer. It makes him look like a, I don't know, a parody. But either way, they show the the whole replay, and I don't know. It is what it is. I still love Karrion Cross, but I wish they'd take this stuff away. Um, and I like Karrion. Um, I, I don't know if anyone, like, I'm not excited to see him wrestle fucking uh, Drew McIntyre. You know, it's... it's the worst just, part of what you just said doesn't even make sense, but I'm with you. Yeah. And I don't, I'm, it's like I said before, I understand you don't want to do a heel versus heel, but I mean, if anyone does, you know, replace Logan Paul with Karrion Cross. Okay. Yeah. And now we got something. Now it's like, oh, that's a match I, I would like to see. You know, yes, fans, it makes sense for wrestling fans, but I don't think mainstream appeal is there for Karrion Cross and it is for Paul. No, I mean, definitely, but you know, you got to build it somehow, you know, I mean, you got to, you got to show a guy like this is a star. We're going to show you how he's a star, you know, and yes, that takes time. You don't do that. Having him eat pins by Drew McIntyre. <laughs> so I agree. Um, so after this, one of my favorite things about SmackDown and we mentioned Sammy being a surprise, good thing that you say it on paper and you're like, that sounds stupid is the maximum male models. I'm sorry. If you don't like this, okay. But I dig the hell out of this. The fact that they took a dude named Mace, and now they call him Moss Day, (laughs) (laughs) and they made these dudes into models, and they got, you know, it looks like they're about to start calling this dude uh, back to his L.A. Knight gimmick because apparently he's been saying things that make you sound like they're going to do that. I hope they don't. I like this. And this is one reason why I say I think Paul Heyman's running SmackDown, like the entire show. I mentioned last week that in ECW, whenever a match would have somebody cutting a promo and a dude would jump in the ring and beat his ass, all of a sudden a referee would show up and we'd have a match out of nowhere. And it was cool. I like that. And they did that last week with a match where, you know, dudes got jumped with the riddle, got jumped. And in the midst of him getting jumped, all of a sudden there was a match between him and Finn Balor. So there was a time where Eric Bischoff had a group called a three-minute warning. And he would just have a dumb segment, and he would call out, you have three minutes. And then these two big Samoan dudes come out there and wreck shop. This feels much like that. Because the Maximum Male Models are doing this clothing line for a back-to-school collection. And who comes out to stop this? None other than Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman comes out and he wrecks shop. He kills everybody. And I know the AEW stands are going to get mad about this because they think he's trying to take Warlow's spot with the whole powerbomb thing. But he starts wrecking shop with the powerbomb and he gets cut off by Otis and his buddy um, Chad Gable. And apparently they're setting up a match next week with Braun Strowman versus Otis. So two big men slapping meat next week. Get ready for it. Oh, yeah. That's good to see Braun Strowman back. I mean, I don't... Gargano, that's the only question I have. Gargano is still in this, and now you have two spots with Chad Gable and Otis. 
that are separate from each other. But either way, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, I'm glad to see Braun Strowman back in WWE where he belongs. Uh, as yes. far as the Wardlow parodies, um, I get it. Wardlow stands take a giant step back. All right. He is not the first, nor will he be the last big dude who does power bombs. Okay. Like let's before anyone thinks that Braun Strowman is stepping on Wardlow's shoes. A Braun Strowman's about a foot taller than Wardlow. Okay. And B he was, he's been doing it longer. Like let, let's take, it's okay for both shows to have a big dude that does big guy things. All right. Yeah. It's a power bomb. <laughs> it's not yeah, like a move. Exactly. Made up. <laughs> exactly. So coming back from this break, we have damage control making their entrance and Bailey's finally having a match. Oh. Uh, yeah, I will say this. I still wish that Toxic Attraction came in with Mandy Rose and were taken as serious as competitors as they are with damage control, because I think that would be a hell of a three on three instead of this makeshift title that they're doing with Brianna and Alexa and and uh, Oscar. It's just that it would have been cool to see. And the fact that it's still right there in front of you, you could still do it. And they're not, it just pisses me off. They're just trying to get somebody to watch NXT is all they're doing. They're like, Mandy Rose looks amazing. So we'll just keep on doing photo shoots with her and pushing her on the internet because the way she looks and hopefully people will tune in. But how cool would it have been those... that team and they would have taken on the new three people that are just coming in and you would have had an established team that's been around a little while with three established competitors who separately have been around a long time. It would have been very intriguing. Not this, we already know the tag team is going to beat the tag team and we already know Bianca probably going to beat Bailey. So half your team wins and half your team loses and the team doesn't even make any sense. And I mentioned last week, Maybe Brianna was supposed to be with Sasha and Naomi until that fallout happened. But after that fallout happens, figure something else out. Don't do makeshift stuff. We blame AEW for doing stupid shit like that. This is stupid. Well, it's good to see uh, Shotzi back. I guess she's a good guy again. So. Yeah, and this match with Raquel was really good, too. If there's one person between Raquel and, hell, I don't even remember her tag team partner's name. Isn't that bad? Um out of that team that should have come out of this as a singles competitor, definitely let Raquel come out and do it because oh, yeah. she can hold her own. She looks good. And it, if she's as green as I believe she is because she hadn't been on TV very long and maybe she had a hell of a lot of matches before she was on TV, but she, you know, she's pissed off. You done took my partner out. I'm, you know, you injured her. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to get revenge for her. Um, and I mentioned this last week too. I guess Raquel has stopped trying to do the single arm powerbomb, which to me looked too much like the Riptide anyway, because she went for a regular powerbomb on Bailey, and that's Braun Strowman's move. And if you know anything about those two, they're dating oh, back. Yeah. And it's just kind of convenient that the day that they both come into the same promotion, they're doing the same finisher, and they wear the same clothes. If you, I don't know if you noticed that either. Like, I could definitely be a tag team, <laughs> and now they're doing the same move. But... Anyway, Damage Control cuts off the powerbomb spot, and she hits her rose plant, which is nothing but Matt Taven's climax finisher, the arm wrap DDT, or driver, and hits her for the one, two, three, and like you said, Shotzi's back, and I'm damn happy. Well, it's good to see her as a good guy. I mean, I don't, uh, 
they never explained yeah. why she turned heel to begin with. So, you know, seeing her, the only thing she's missing is her tank. And then, you know, she's back to back to form. Um, I mean, it's good to see Bailey back wrestling. You know, I, I'm still not sold on the whole damage control, the, the makeshift tag teams and, you know, why are they even all together? I mean, I like Dakota Kai. I, I like, you know, Bailey. I, as a team, I'm just not sold. I mean, I, I'm... I'm ready to fast forward to the point when they finally just have the four horse ladies, you know, versus Rhonda and, you know, whoever she brings up. So, yep. but, um, yeah, and I did notice, uh, you know, Liv Morgan interrupted a interview with Rhonda Rousey and challenged her to a match to extreme rules. So hopefully Rhonda will be kicking the shit out of her and getting the title Bro, off of her. Segment. Is that weird to say? I don't know. Can I tell you why? Oh yeah. They obviously did this a backstage for a reason. And it's funny that you say that obviously Rhonda's going to kick her ass or whatever, because like I mentioned at the beginning of the segment that uh, I was glad to see the stuff that was negative on live promos were done backstage where it could be edited. They did a phenomenal job with this. She literally cut off Kayla and says, you know, somebody has spoken so many words that mean nothing. And in my life, I've never seen somebody do that as much as you. And then she said to live. No, I said, with all due respect, you're not due any. <laughs> I loved it. Well, that's good. Cause, I mean, they're both very green on the mic. So anytime you get them away from a crowd, it's going to chant what every five seconds and just let them, you know, it's probably better that they do Rhonda's segments from here on out backstage. Um, I mean, it, just like, you know, with Logan Paul, I love, you know, love her work in the ring. She's come a long way. Still got a long way to go on the microphone, though, and it doesn't help that the crowd is naturally against her. And, you know, she's very good at playing the hill role. She's very good at playing the spoiler. So I think from now on, they should just do her segments backstage. Let her say what she's going to say. And you don't have to listen to an annoying crowd chant what every five seconds. And I think Liv is turning hill on this only because some of the things that she said in this promotion or this promo spot or whatever you want to call the interview spot that got interrupted. She says to her pretty much like, I'm the only person that's ever taken out the baddest woman on the planet in the history twice. And no matter how you like how I did it at the end of the match, it still was my waist. The title was being wrapped around. So, I mean, that sounds like a heel to me. I don't buy Liv at all as the badass. I don't, you know, her talking back to Rhonda reminds me a lot of my children trying to talk back to me. You know, it's like, you're just going to end up getting your ass whooped. Okay. So she's, it's very teenage brat. And uh, look, I mean, I've, I've already made my feelings towards Liv Morgan <laughs> known. I mean, right. she seems like a very nice person and I'm sure she's a very nice person. She's not a champion. All right, and it's very hollow. Uh, you know, everyone knows she's got it because she looks good. And but I don't buy the whole "I'm happy to be here." You know, so. Well, Drew McIntyre jumps up on the table when they come back from them talking. Like, oh, I can't believe that she would stand up to Ronda like that. And he cuts a promo saying, "Karrion Cross, he's gonna whoop his ass." Whatever, it was boring as hell. But uh, backstage, we get a bloodline segment where Jay is trying to give Solo a pep talk, and Solo is just kind of staring off in the distance. And after he's like, yeah, you got this, you got this. Solo looks at that man and says, bro, you off your game tonight. Sammy, you ready? And Jay's like, what the hell? And it's weird to see him have that much confidence in himself, being this new to the brand, to the bloodline. And the bloodline's like, you got to prove yourself. And then now he's like, 
bro, you off your game tonight. I'm going out there and do my thing. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of liked it. Well, uh, that, when we talked about it uh, at the pay-per-view or the clash at the castle, um, you know, it, it him coming in adds a new wrinkle. And it was the bloodline was starting to feel a little, little like, okay, what, what's the, what's the end game, you know? So seeing him show up at that show was like, ah, oh, that's the end game. So it's good to see him kind of, you know, being like, hey guys, I got this, you know, because he yeah. is an oos, you know, and the oos, you know, the cock with the walk. At the same time, I don't feel like they need to hold his hand and like, I mean, he gets it. He's in the business, you know, he's a part of the family. You know, these guys ride together. They're on airplanes. They're talking, you know, so there's no reason to be like, okay, let's extend this for another year until he gets his feet wet. Like you already put the belt on him, you know, so. Yeah. And it's insane to how good he's gotten at what he's in. Like you said, it's in his blood. He's in his family. He's been around it forever. But like when I saw his first segment last week, I mentioned that it's I didn't realize he was so much smaller than his brothers. But yeah. then you see his presence in just his entrance and you see his presence in the ring and he holds his own. Like he looks like a solid beast and I'm digging everything he's doing. Yeah. Um, on somebody I'm not digging everything they're doing right now is Mad Cat Moss. And this dude has the potential to be a pretty top guy if he does everything correctly that I think he could do. But he switches his gimmick from, you know, the happy laughing guy with, you know, the happy Corbin crap he was doing to a more serious style, and he's wearing all black. And I thought, well, that'll last a little while until people realize he has a new gimmick. But instead, this dude is still doing the same shit he was doing when he broke off from Happy Corbin. Like, dude, get a new set of gear. Get a new entrance. Get a new taunt. Get a new thing you do that makes you you. Because yeah. the stuff doing right now is just generic as hell. And it, it's very clear. I mean, just as you were saying with his clothes, I mean, it looks like a creative wrestler that somebody was like, all right, I want to hurry up and get to the match. So I'll just yeah. skip all this part. Yeah. He looks like a default character. Yeah, and he does. He doesn't get a character, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And you can say that for a lot of wrestlers, you know, they're, they're quick to split them up. And there was no reason to split those guys up. I mean, Madcap and Baron, they worked. You know, yeah, they were annoying. They were heels. It's okay to be annoying. Now you split them up. Can we stop calling this guy Madcap Moss? Or, you know, just call him Madcap. You know, or I don't know, fucking John, whatever his name is. The Madcap Moss thing just refers back to a character that he no longer portrays. I agree. Um, I, saying all that, though, I did like this match. I mean, oh, yeah. two athletic performers that just look so solid. Like, obviously, Madcap's solid because he's a huge beast of a man. Um, not in height only, but, I mean, he's just, look at his shredder. Oh, he's ripped. Oh, yeah. But... Solo does not look any worse for wear, and he's not ripped. He's not gigantic. He's not bigger than life. Dude kind of looks like me, but he looks solid. Like, I like the way that he looked, and I like the way he can hold his own, and it's, it's a very well surprise when you see a guy cutting a promo with his brothers who have been there for so long, and you're like, ooh, he does look like a smaller version of him, and then you see him in the ring, and you, you don't even think about that. Yeah. Um, match is very hard-hitting. So I did like that, and I think Solo does the uh, rock bottom better than Becky. Sorry, he hit, <laughs> he got a one, two, three, and it looked amazing. And his, you know, he didn't just do his as the rock bottom; he did his as the original Uranagi, where you spin with it, and it looked good. 
good shit. Um, after that, there's a tag team match that ends the show for the number one contenders, and it has the Brawling Brutes, the New Day, Imperium, and Hit Row. And just by the entrances alone, you can tell Hit Row is still cool as shit, but maybe it's just me. B-Fab looked a thousand times better than she looked when she came back from being rehired. And I hate to say that it was anything legal or illegal that made her look like she is right now, or if it's a health reason. But whatever it is, like she's she just has no tone to her. Like she used to be kind of a thicker, and she looked more like she was into fitness and just had the swag about her that looked different than it does now, where she just kind of looks like you would look if you retired from WWE and I ran into you four years later. And it's weird to see that happen so quick. Um, anyway, I'm sure I'm going to catch hell for that. Uh, so they get into the match, and New Day's still over as hell. Imperium still has the best entrance I've ever seen for a tag team. I mean, it's there's nobody bigger than them. They have a new entrance, though, music that I didn't really care for. It had, like, a singer in it that would sound like something you would hear on the radio back in the World War. I really wasn't into that. I wish they'd just go back to their original music. Uh, maybe it'll grow on me, though. Well, they keep and trying to I, flirt with this, like, 1930s, 40s German vibe, and it's like, um, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, so the Brawling Brutes, the one thing I can say about them is I can't wait for them to be the Brawling Broke-Up team because I ain't digging them at all. And you know Rich Holland. I mean, that dude's just going to eat pens for at least the next five fucking years. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, if you almost kill the one of the yeah. top guys, yeah. One botch, and it's like, eh, well. Yeah, one thing I can say about um, Top Dollar is he looks like he has big-time potential if he's done right. Like, he could, looks like he could be like a Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, but they did this thing in this match where they were trying to make people, like, feel like you could, I don't know, be like the people in the ring, and I can't stand when they do that. There was this thing on a podcast I was listening to with Bruce Pritchard where he mentioned that when Diesel was in the ring, JR said, oh, he played basketball at wherever college he played basketball at. And he was like, don't ever do that again. You just made a guy look normal that is not normal. We want to believe he's Diesel. We want to believe he's larger than life. This dude's name's Top Dollar. And Cole says, would you believe that this guy used to be an Uber driver? Oh, what? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing is is that he keeps doing this thing where Butch does the finger snap spot. And I'm sorry, Marty Skrull, I know he got his stuff that he did that was bad, but his little finger spot that he used to do where he was sound like he broke your fingers. Yeah, that's his. He needs to learn how to do it. If you're going to take it and you're going to do it too, that's fine. Whatever. You're both from the UK. Learn how to do it. Because you do it, and it just it looks cool. I mean, it gives you that, oh, no, he broke his finger or whatever. But, man, Marty Scroll used to get it, and he would slap his arms against his wet chest. And it would sound like he broke your fingers. And everybody in the crowd would go, ooh. And this dude just bends them. And it's like, ah, you can make that look a lot better. Just watch it. <laughs> just watch what we watched. But I love this match, obviously, with everybody that was involved with it. It was a hard-hitting, fast-paced match. Everybody got their spots in. Uh, one thing that I did find myself thinking about is I wish I could see Imperium versus FTR. Uh, I think there's spots of how they break up pinfalls and how they break up the tag team about to get a hot spot is so representative of each other. It would be cool to watch them put a match together, in my mind. Yeah. 
seeing the brawling brutes win was kind of a letdown. I mean, those guys, I look Pete Dunn. It's 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 Pete Dunn. Okay, calling yeah. Butch is retarded. No one likes it. Okay, and it makes him seem like a joke. And that you know they're not going to win the tag team titles, and it just feels like okay, we're not ready to put them on Imperium. The New Day need more titles. I mean, like I need a root canal. Uh, you know, Hit Road just got here, so you know they're they they could be something. I mean, they are missing a certain AEW star, but you know, I mean, they'll still be able to build themselves back up to where they were in AEW. So I, I get I get why they you know gave them the win, but still it just it just lets the air, air out of the room, and no one in that crowd wants to see them hold the tag team titles. I mean, I think it's funny, you know, the whole butch like oh holding back like a pit bull, or I guess like a chihuahua, you know, but it it's I don't know you just, you just kind of see like oh, okay these guys are gonna lose next. So towards the end of the match, uh, the Imperium hit their finisher, the little powerbomb, uppercut, European uppercut, diving move. And as soon as Kaiser goes for the pin, he gets thrown out of the ring. Uh, apparently, Ridge Holland had tagged Giovanni in the midst of the move and dove in the ring and threw Kaiser out and got the one, two, three on Kofi Kingston. <sighs> Wrong team won, in my mind. I don't care about seeing the Brutes in a number one contenders match or being for a title at all. And Giovanni didn't even get touched. He tagged Giovanni. They hit their move. And then Giovanni just dipped out. <laughs> it, just, it was very glaring. It was, why didn't he try to break up that pin? Oh, he rolled out of the ring after they hit the finisher after watching Holland run in the ring and throw his partner out of the ring. Uh, I don't know. It was very glaring. You could just tell that that, that was messed up. It's something we've called out in previous matches that I don't, you know, it's like they... They roll out of the ring and just disappear into the abyss. You know, it's like that when they want them to make the surprise, you know, oh, out of nowhere, break up, you know, they'll use that. Other times they roll out of the ring and just completely, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm dead now. And well, that'll conclude the SmackDown. So that's what it is. What it is. I love, I didn't see any negatives in this thing at all. And I think all the positives overshadowed any of the negatives you could say about it. Oh yeah, and it's I mean, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm, it's very obvious this is Triple H's, you know, this is his world. He's running the show. And if he's taking advice from, you know, people like Paul Heyman and, you know, guys in, in the back, they're like, Hey, why don't we try this? Hey, all the best to him. I think he's killing it. I think WWE is doing an incredible job of what they have now. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. But, uh, yeah, so after that, we have Rampage continuing from Albany, New York. And the show opens hot with Matt Hardy versus Darby Allin. Uh, I mean, it's you know what you're going to get. I mean, Darby Allin is a ball of fire. Matt Hardy, I mean, he's he's a ring general at this point. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's Matt Hardy versus Darby Allin. I mean, Darby Allin... You know, yeah, he gets the win here, but where where does he go? What happens now? Matt Hardy, um, we love you, brother. You know, but it's it's time to hang it up. I mean, he just looks old. He looks like everything he does hurts him more than it does the competitor that he's wrestling with. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think the Last Supper is a stupid move, and every time Darby does it, I cringe because it never fails the competitor. The right arm of the competitor he does it to comes up every single time when he leans back, and we're just supposed to pretend like we don't see that. But uh, 
you know, other than that, though, it was a good hard match. I mean, you know, it was more of Darby just throwing himself against brick walls until they break. Yeah, I, I thought about you as soon as I saw the move, and I knew you were going to shit all over it. But <laughs> the, there's a double negative on this because he hit the code red and got a two count. And then immediately did the pin, which is all it is, and got a three count. And I found myself going, ah, fuck, Ryan's going to kill this. <laughs> and there was a point where I started thinking, Lance Storm used to say this thing about guys where he would say that, you look indie-rific. And, and when the bell rang and the show starts and they're already in the ring, Darby Allen's wearing that stupid jacket. <laughs> and Matt Hardy's just wearing a black tank top and some jeans. And I get it. It's a kind of a callback to what he used to be. But, bro, they look indie-rific as hell. Just seeing the way they were dressed. Like, if I didn't know what I was watching, I would have turned the channel. But I'm interested. Yeah. So I'm going to watch it because I know who both these competitors are. But it it looked less than. So, and something funny to me that I noticed between both shows was the crowd is really getting stupid just trying to get uh, clout for having signs in the crowd now, just trying to get on TV. You used to have cool sayings, right? You used to have like so-and-so fear so-and-so or so-and-so's going down or you'd have a catchphrase, right? Yeah. I saw a sign in the crowd on SmackDown that just said Logan Paul. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and in this match, the bell rings, and this dude holds up a sign that says Mox. That's it. <laughs> it was just something I noticed between both shows where I just found myself shaking my head going, what the hell is up with this? You, well, you get it's it. Like in the, in the, on TV. Well, it's like when you get in the WWE video game, you know, and you get to pick your created wrestlers, the signs, and then all the signs suck, you know, and you're like, no one would use that in real life. And, you know, turns out they, they would. <laughs> Yeah, they, they would hold up a sign that just says, hey, Moxley, you know. Yeah. But uh, match uh, lights go out. Brody King shows up and clotheslines the hell out of Matt. Calls out Darby and Sting next week. So uh, we have Brody King and I'm assuming Buddy Murphy because the rumor mill is that uh, Aleister Black is, you know, currently taking a hiatus from wrestling for a while. But, um, yeah, so they call out. It's going to be the House of Black, whoever that could be. Versus Darby Allen and Sting. I would love to see Brody King and Darby go back at it. I mean, that match they had a few weeks ago on Dynamite was fantastic. I'll watch these guys beat the shit out of each other, you know, any day. I'm not excited to watch 65-year-old Sting get in the ring. I was very surprised that they even brought the House of Black back. Because I thought after Stokely Hathaway said, I was backstage watching Living Single with these guys. Them dudes were buried. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, hopefully Malachi Black winds up back in AW, I mean WWE as soon as possible. Yeah, in this House of Black thing. But, um, nevertheless, Claudio Castagnoli comes out and says that while the Ring of Honor Championship <clears throat> represents honor, the Blackpool Combat Club represents excellence. And uh, just goes on to, I guess, call out his, <laughs> call out his little partner for losing this title uh, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, Chris Jericho cuts him off and asks him if he's forgotten about the Jericho Appreciation Society. Said that uh, while he's been champion everywhere he's ever been, he's never been champion of Ring of Honor. And challenges him for Claudio, challenges Claudio next week for the Ring of Honor Championship. Um, I'm actually excited about this match. Coming off Chris Jericho's last match against Brian Danielson, let's go. Bro, I'm very surprised you did not mention how terrible Eddie Kingston looked. 
<laughs> oh, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, that, that little look. I mean, everyone knows that I, I'm, I'm assuming Tony, after, you know, the last debacle, had a backstage meeting with everyone and was like, look, motherfuckers, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. Y'all just go out there and do it. So you and Sammy put your shit behind you. Go out there and have a match against each other. Um, every, it's it, You know it's going to be a shit show. I mean, I can't stand that dude. So, I mean, I, hopefully Sammy wins, but... We'll see, I guess. But uh, next up, you have Jade and her crew and more of the same and the cut the shit. Some chick uh, named Diamani challenges her for the title next week, and I could care less. I will shit on this until they give it to someone else. Like, they keep bringing in women I've never heard of to challenge for a title I don't care about, but we're supposed to care because women's wrestling. I have spoken to Eva Elise about this a couple of times. You remember how she got kicked out of AEW because the whole thing that happened with her and Thunder Rosa? Yeah. I've heard her before say that, you know, I feel like there's certain Hispanic wrestlers in this game that are taking my gimmick from me. And she kind of threw Diamante under the bus a little bit. If you go back and read our Twitter feed together. I'm hoping that this isn't leading to Mia Yim being who they're bringing in. Because if that is the case, you are slapping the face of Ivelisse by saying, hey, I know that in the past you've mentioned that you think that you think Mia Yim is taking your gimmick from you by the way that she was presented in NXT. And if she brings her up, and that used to be Diamante's partner, I don't know. I hope that ain't what's about to happen. Because I have a feeling Mia Yim is about to enter AEW next week. Well, I could give two shits about any of it. Next up, you have Penelope Ford versus Willow Nightingale. Um, I want to see Kip Sabian wrestle, not Penelope. All right, like what, oh, what the fuck? Very intrigued by this. I think Penelope Ford has stepped her game up a shit ton. No, I mean, you know, let me. I'll finish when I talk about the match. But my first thoughts are, why isn't Kip wrestling? I mean, you brought him back to the pay per view. He looks great. Uh, what? Okay, now he's just. I guess he's just like. I'm just going to stand here and I'm just going to be her valet now. And he's the star here, but no, you're right. I mean, they did have a good match. I'm very surprised about Penelope Ford. Um, you know, my first thoughts are, why is this on my TV? And I ended up being, this maybe it may have been the match of the night. So yeah. I'll give him that. Chris Jericho called Penelope as performer of the week. And my, I mean, the first thought I had was ah, not wrong, you know, nope. so. Uh, one thing I will say that I hated about this was the announcing job that JR did. Love you, brother. But you've got to quit mocking people. See, I get you ain't into it. But she did the lick spot that's supposed to be a spot. And Penelope Ford licks her face and everybody goes, oh, my God, she licked her face. Oh, my God, she licked her face. And what's JR say? Oh, my God, she licked her face. Like, dude, you just buried that. <laughs> I mean, Damn, I, my thoughts were that's gross. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like seeing people do moves in wrestling and be mocked for it by a guy who could care less. It's like, all right, we'll just just sit this one out, Jr. It's okay. Uh, and you're right. That's um, I know I, we spoke previously about how you know we love Jim Ross. I mean, we we grew up. He was the voice of wrestling, but it's very obvious he he just doesn't get it anymore. Um, I think he's done a lot better since he's come back from his recent health issues, but. It's very clear to the audience when he does not give a fuck. It's very clear when he just doesn't understand it. And it's also very clear when he's forced to act like he 
gets it. Like, oh, this is Orange Orange Cassidy, and you know he can be silly, but he he can also be serious. And it's like, can he? Can he? Jr. Is that is that his gimmick? Would you say? <laughs> you know, it, but, it, um, it's when he says that stuff, it's just not okay when he mocks it and says it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh yeah, that Orange Cassidy. Let me tell you about how serious he could be. It's like. Bro, you're you're burying them, and you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah, but uh, Penelope Ford wins the match. I mean, it's a good match, and I like Penelope. You know, I think you know she has a good look. The women's division needs all the good performers they they can get at this point. I just feel like she needs a little more time on dark. You know, she's just a little bit too green for TV. But um, I mean, I will say this: I'd rather her have the title than Jade. I'd rather watch her wrestle, but. Uh, after the match, Hangman backstage with the Dark Order, and Hangman apologizes profusely for what happened at All Out, and they announced that next week they'll be they'll all be in a battle royal. And they're all excited, and uh, all I can think is is yeah, maybe the whole Hangman Page uh, CM Punk drama is it is real because God is his star falling. Yes, I was thinking that too. I have in my notes, fucking hell, how much more of this Hangman Dark Order shit are we going to have to see? The dude went from being champion to mid-card arguments with Roosh. I mean, not even, I wouldn't even call it mid-card. And I mean, it, neither one of these guys are anywhere close to a title. I mean, you couldn't see them holding a Pox title, you know, and he hasn't even defended the motherfucker yet. But, um, but yeah, but in the end, they get cut off by Roosh and just... <sighs> Did anyone care? Did anyone walk away thinking, oh, boy, I can't wait to watch them guys wrestle? You know, but uh, after this, Ethan Page versus Dan Housen. I love Ethan Page. I think he is the future or he is is a part of the future. I look forward to watching him and Ricky Starks battle for the title within two or three years. Um, It's good to see Dan Housen get his ass kicked. I mean, Dan Housen's cute. It's a fun gimmick, but let's be real here. You know, it's. He, he got hired because he's a meme. Yeah, and he definitely has his character down. There's no flaws in Downhouse's character if you're into that. It's 100% what it is. I mean, he's got it down pat. And kudos to Ethan Page for getting in tremendous shape that he is in. Don't know if anybody's even mentioned that from what he used to look like like a year ago. In a world of PC where people are telling you it's okay not to be in shape and you look perfect the way you are. This dude's like, no, nah, I think on TV I should probably look a little bit better than what I do. And the dude looks great. Oh. And that uh, ego, ego's edge, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he just <laughs> threw that much. <laughs> it's just through. Was, I yeah. actually felt bad for Dan Howes. And I was like, good God. I mean, he's basically like, catch. Yeah. I was like, at least uh, Dan Howes was okay taking that. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. looked- But I uh, can... Following the match, we had Ricky Stark uh, calling that Hobbs. Uh, once again, I think it's too quickly to have these guys in the ring. I, you know, led. I really want Hobbs to continue his trajectory of just beating the shit out of jobbers, but I guess they're in a hurry to let Starks get his win back. Yeah, what was he standing in? That was the weirdest background I've seen since AEW cuts promos backstage. Like it was like he was standing in a trailer for some equipment being dropped off. Like he worked for AEW equipment crew. <laughs> when I'm not building rings, yeah, I'm putting together, I'm putting together I, promos. Yeah, I got time to cut this promo. <laughs> All right, but your main event of the evening: Samoa Joe versus Josh Woods. Uh, who the hell is Josh Woods? Um, that's the first thing I thought. ROH is dead. Just let it die. I don't. I'm like, for what it's worth, Samoa Joe. 
doing it, doing his damnedest. But I mean, I, I just cannot care. I cannot give one, one fuck for this match. Best promo guy in the business is Samoa Joe still, which you could tell with the promo he cut and the small amount that he said was still the most over. I've heard somebody cut a promo in AEW yet, but it's still a title in AEW. That's not an AEW title. And it's the main event again. Yeah. And I mean, you I, look, they're trying to build ROH back to its former glory. The only issue is all the guys that made it its former glory are currently in AEW. Okay. Like, you could have bought out, buy the library, put the library on YouTube, celebrate it once a year, do a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. I'm fine with that. Bring in past stars from Ring of Honor. That's cool. But trying to have a co-brand mixed in with your main brand, it's just not working. It's just not, or at least it's not doing it for me. I'm sure there's, you know, a couple hundred marks out there that loved it. I mean, they just can't wait to see Ring of Honor on their television. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. And in this case, I mean, this match, it Samoa Joe's doing Samoa Joe stuff, which just beat the shit out of nobody's. And the match, I mean, it was a good match. It was a hard-hitting match. I mean, once again, Tony Nese interfered, and the referee just stood there and watched. And that, I mean, like I said last episode, I will call that out every time I see it. But um, Samoa Joe wins with the muscle buster, and Ward, uh, he gets jumped by Tony Nese and... Josh Woods, and right before Mark Sterling can hit him with the belt, Wardlow comes to the ring and chases him off, and they have a little face-to-face with Samoa Joe, and the announcers talk about maybe in the future we see these two guys fight, and all I could think was, I hope not, because there's no way in hell Samoa Joe is taking five power bombs. Hell no. And the one thing that this keeps making me think, like the whole thing with Chris Jericho and Claudio cutting their promo, and then having this with the announcers, and the guy whose introductions for the ring, the entrances of the ring, was from ROH. I like that. But it just made me wish that I was watching this on an ROH program. And when are they going to make an ROH TV show? Yeah, I mean, you would think it's pretty simple. Oh. Just make a YouTube channel called ROH and put them on there. You AEW Dark, AEW Elevation, they're both on YouTube. Just have Ring of Honor be a YouTube show. Yep, I agree. That's what made me think the entire time I was watching this. It looks cool as a presentation, but it just makes me wish I was watching it on ROH. And then they announced Wardlow and Samoa Joe will be tag teaming against Neeson Woods next week. And uh, Wardlow is your second biggest champion, and he should be dwelling into a, a hard feud. I mean, this guy needs to build himself up character wise. We get it. He's a big guy. He looks great. He needs to, you know, continue being a hard hitting champion. He needs to continue to be mixing it up with guys that can, you know, make him look better. Cause I mean, I really do think they jumped a gun with giving Warlow a title so soon. I mean, this guy's only been wrestling. I mean, a little over two years and he still needs that character development. And when you give someone the title, you're saying, Hey, you're the future. You're the guy that's going to hold this company up. Wardlow, they're not giving him the opportunity to do that. So when he doesn't get the opportunity to, you know, say like, hey, I am the future, uh, you're basically, he's a hollow champion. Like, he's a champion in name only. So I really do think they're doing him a disservice in that regard. Yeah, it really feels like with Wardlow, they went with the hot hand. And they're like, oh, we got to do something with him. We didn't know he'd be over this quick. And he is. 
And they built him up perfectly for him to have an organic championship reign and for people to be interested in him. And here we go again talking shit about AEW. I'm sorry. But does anybody feel like that his momentum hasn't faltered? Like, does anybody not think that this dude went from a could-be big-time player to AEW's new Goldberg to a dude that's wrestling on, on Rampage in a tag team match from ROH that I have zero fucks I give about? Like, exactly. You know, they say the whole thing, I can't wait to see the match. I can wait to see this match. I don't think his star has fallen only because, you know, his, he is so good in the ring. You know, he, he knows what he's capable of and he sticks to that. But he's definitely not the same. I mean, that the whole feud he had with MJF should have concluded with him holding the heavyweight title. You know, that it, they should have waited another year, wait till MJF holds the title, do that hold, you know, and then the guy, you know, same thing they did with, with Batista and Triple H, you know, 20 years ago, but it works. You know, and if it's one thing in wrestling, if it worked once, it will work again. And who gives a shit? You know, the audience are like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. It's like, yeah, you have. It's professional wrestling, baby. It's two guys getting in the ring and duking it out. Like, you're only going to see so much. But the story works. And the guy you wanted to see win, win, won, right? So, but um, nevertheless, you know, that was Rampage. Uh, It's, they're really really faltering on the rampage shows i mean they they came in so hot i mean obviously having you know cm punk debut on rampage is going to help but it's become clear over the past couple of months that it is the b show if that that it is a kind of an afterthought where they just throw in all the all the matches that you know didn't they didn't have enough time for on dynamite they just stick them on rampage yeah, I just don't want to make it sound as if we're trying to talk out of both sides of our mouth, saying that I feel like they gave Warlow the title too quick, but at the same time, after the conclusion of the MJF, he should have been heavyweight champion. I think what we're trying to say is the same thing, that he had so much potential, and since that segment happened, his momentum has been slowed. Yeah. And he doesn't seem he's as big as a star as he could be. I know, and I mean, you know... It- I guess we'll see. I mean, they, you know, he's still young. He still has plenty of time in the game. I mean, I do think he'll definitely make the jump to WWE eventually, but I could say the same about a few guys in AEW right now. But nevertheless, that is the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can reach us on social media, Twitter and Facebook at Spot Show Wrestling Podcast. You can also send us an email at spotshowpodcast at gmail.com. But uh, for Pat Andiron, I am Ryan Matthews. We'll see you again.